There are four basic rules to choosing your career. The work has to be the reward. An interesting career is better than a fun career. A career doesn't have to be a straight line and beware of unhealthy passions. My dream for you is to learn about how careers are built. Each interview shares some gems. Sit back and enjoy. Hello everyone and welcome to Thinking About Building Your Career. Today we have Miss Black, who is a career educator and she's gonna be sharing with us how she built her career. Thinking about building your career is for people who are in the stages that are building their career. What steps are you gonna to take to make those next boss moves so that you are going quickly to the destination that you desire. So today we're gonna to be talking with Miss Black from Staying in the Black. And my name is Janice Saunders. I am the founder of One Jazzy Life and I host this webinar podcast series called Thinking About Building Your Career because I know that getting started is tough and the more you can hear from people who have done it and successfully done it, the easier it's gonna be for you to get on your way. So I want to welcome Miss Black today. Thank you for joining me. How are you? Hi, oh, thank you so much for having me today. I'm, I'm doing well and I'm excited to um, talk about this topic. Yes, well, you know, you are a career educator. Tell us a little bit about how you got started in education. So I, um, in high school, I always thought that I would be an educator after I retired from the bench. So I wanted to be a, a lawyer and then a judge. And I'm from New York City. And so you can specialize in uh, different careers at the high school, really at the elementary school level, but definitely at the high school level. So I thought that I would become a judge and then when I retired, I would come back and teach in New York City at uh, the John Jay High School of Criminal Justice. So that was what made me think about education, but kind of as a secondary career. And when I was in college, I had a friend who had done uh, Teach for America and he came back and he was like, Nakia, you should go to this coffee house. That's what they called them back then. Go to this coffee house. I think that this is for you. Like you should, like, I think you're the perfect person for this. And so I went to the coffee house and I was accepted into Teach for America. And for me, I was kind of comfortable. Like I got three other job offers. I was fortunate to graduate from college um, in the uh, late nineties and that it was a good economy. So I had choices. Um, Teach for America allowed me to come back to New York City back to teach in a system that had educated me. Um, and the pay actually was competitive um, to some of the other positions that I had been interviewing um, for. And so out of the, the four positions that I was offered, this one, you know, cried out to me and it, it was kind of like, okay, so now you get to teach before you go to law school. Um, that's how I, I thought of it. So it was kind of um, a reversal of path, but I was comfortable with it because I knew that at some point I wanted to go into education. I, that That's just, it's never a straight path to what we really want to do, is it? And I love the fact that a friend 
saw something in you and pointed you in the direction of your future career. Because oftentimes, you know, our friends see in us what we're good at, where we shine, and we discount them. You know, we don't take it seriously and we keep going our way, the way we want to go. Instead of hearing that and feeling it and seeing it and absorbing it, and it just is a testament to your success that your friend was able to lead you into the place where you were able to really build something great. Yeah, I think people, your parents, um, your family members, your your peers see things in you that you may not necessarily, it just, a lot of my strengths, people are just like, you're really good at that. I just assume that everybody is, right? I never really think that something is unique to me because I feel like, well, if I can do it, anybody can do it. And my mother's like, my mother always like, you know, everybody's not you. And I'm like, yeah, but like, it's not that difficult. So you definitely have to, you don't necessarily have to do what others mm-hmm. um, tell you to do, but there's some truth to what they're saying if you're hearing it from multiple people, right? They, all those people can't be wrong. And, and, it, and it's worth exploring. Yes. That's definitely a, a gem for this evening is if you hear something from a, a friend, a family member, a teacher, you know, it is worth exploring because there may be gold beyond them hills. You know what I mean? Definitely. So that's just something to think about. I don't know if teaching was your first choice of careers or were you kind of looking towards something else as you entered the University of Maryland? So I um, am addicted to the news ever since I was a young child. (laughs) I can watch the news all day, every day. It's a little crazy, but I've always, so I wanted to be like the black Barbara Walters because Barbara Walters was, you know, along before um, Oprah. And I only knew Oprah as a talk show host, not necessarily as a broadcast journalist. So I thought that I wanted to do broadcast journalism. My mother was a police officer. So I was familiar with um, the criminal justice system and growing up in Brooklyn um, with, you know, my mom, she was very much into um, black pride and um, being proud of who we were as, as women, um, as, as black women. And so she would take us to like off Broadway plays and things like that, that um, had to do with like the pride of being black in America. And I only, I share all of that to say that I went to um, the University of Maryland. I chose it, um, actually transferred there. And I chose it because at the time it had the number one journalism school. Um, And I took um, my journal. So I thought like I would major in journalism, minor in criminal justice. Um, That was kind of my thought. And I did two things my first year that let me know like, "Mm, maybe this is not for you. And that was, I signed up for Journalism 101 and was like, I don't like writing in this format. I don't even know if I like writing, right? And so whether you're a broadcast journalist (laughs) or um, a newspaper, like writing is pivotal to that. Um, And two, uh, my mom had a friend who was in uh, politics and um, he knew me since I was a child. And she was like, you know, um, my daughter wants to be a broadcast journalism, like how can you help her? And so he 
um, arranged for me to spend a day with a um, reporter from New York One in New York City. And so I think I met that reporter about like 5.30 in the morning. And I think I left that reporter about 6.30, 7 o'clock in the evening. And with the journalism one-on-one class and that day with the reporter, I was like, yeah, I don't know if this is what I want to do, which was perfect, right? Because I was definitely one of those kids who was driven and like I had my plan and all this, but I was just like, yeah, I don't like this anymore. And that just said, okay, journalism isn't for you, but criminal mm-hmm. justice, I even like explored like uh, government and politics because uh, I enjoyed the news and I knew a lot about politics. And so, but I was like, well, what do you do with that degree? Just to say that I'm the first person on both sides of my family to graduate from college. I'm not the first to go, but I am the first to, to um, get my four-year degree. And so it was also like me exploring because I mean, I didn't know what, I didn't necessarily know all the options that were available to me, Um, but criminal justice was something that I knew from, because I was 10 years old when my mother became a police officer. So I knew it, it well. And so I decided to major in criminal justice and I received my certificate in Afro-American studies. And so, um, I was intentional is weird because I was intentional in the certificate to Afro-American studies. Um, Getting the certificate and the department didn't know that I had gotten it. It was weird. So like I called them at graduation. I was like, yeah, I'm supposed to get this certificate. And they were like, no, you're not. And I was like, yeah, I am. And then I, they went through all my classes and they were like, how did you do all of these classes? (laughs) Exactly. They're like, how did you do all these classes? And we never like, and we didn't know. And I was just like, it was a subject that I was interested in. And um, I was also with my like with my scheduling, I needed 120 credits to graduate from college and I graduated with exactly 120. So even when I was wishy-washy with my major, I um, chose classes that would meet the requirements of all three things that I was interested in. So all the classes that I, all the core classes and electives that I took qualified for journalism, criminal justice and government and politics, um, which meant like I could change my mind 20 million times um, between get out on time. and still get out on time. But that was key, right? Yes. <laughs> well, you know, that, that it, it, there's never a straight line, but I just want to point out a few things to people who are going to listen to this podcast. One of them is you had a career vision person in your mind, and that person was Barbara Walters. Mm-hmm. And it's nothing wrong with having a career person in your mind to get you thinking about where you want to go. Mm-hmm. Not that you're going to be Barbara Walters, but mm-hmm. you got a direction. And that helps us to get started. I mean, when I first started out, I had Susan Taylor was my vision, mm-hmm. you know, that I was interested in. I, I didn't, I wanted to publish a magazine, but it wasn't really that I wanted to publish a magazine. It was that I wanted to affect women's lives. Mm-hmm. And I could see her affecting women's lives in many ways. And I thought that that was the way I wanted to go. But whether I got there or not was not the point. But the point was I had a direction. And I encourage everyone to think about who is the person that you're looking at right now that you're going in that direction. And that's a, a good thing to have. And of course, the internship that turned into that's something I don't want to do. And yes. <laughs> nothing more important than that. 
you know, nothing more important than I, I can check that off. That's not how I want to spend my days and my nights and my weekends and every other holiday because journalists are working hard like that. Not that you're not working hard as a teacher, but it's a different kind of work that, you know, you just found that that wasn't really how you wanted to spend your time. And it's what better time to figure that out than when you're starting out. Definitely. You know, Definitely. so that, that, that makes, you know, makes for good work you know, in terms of being able to check something off the list. So when you took your, your position at Teach for America, was mm -hmm. teaching exactly what you thought it was going to be? Was that education career, did it start out the way you, want, you, you thought it was going to start out? It was actually better, right? Because I think growing up, um, definitely my mom um, valued education, but the larger society was just kind of like, you're just a teacher. And I felt like when I went to um, college, there was that saying like, those who do, do, and those who can't teach, like it was like a fallback sort of um, job. Um, and for me, that's not what it was. Like it, I grew up doing a lot of community service. I, as a New York City, I received a great education. I was prepared for college. I didn't go to college and, and flounder. Like I, I was there, I was successful. Um, and I thought like, I wanna offer that, I wanna be a part of that journey for other children, mm -hmm. right? It was, so it was like giving back um, and Teach for America, you know, so a lot of people, you know, it can be controversial, but I only had to commit to two years of doing it. So I also felt like, if it didn't work out, I could do my two years. And then they totally were supportive of me following my initial dream, which was to go to law school. And I can say that I did my two years. I got a scholarship uh, to Teachers College at Columbia University. And I um, got my master's in reading. And I also took my LSATs and when I took my LSATs, I actually canceled my scores because I was like, at the time, why would I invest $120,000 in law school when I was going to miss my kids? So that's what I, that was also something that, you know, I learned in, or, you know, in college. So I knew that the journalism thing wasn't for me. I worked for the telecommunications department um, at the university of Maryland, which was like a cubicle job. And it was okay, but I didn't necessarily, like it paid well, I got lots of hours, so I was fine with that, mm -hmm. but I wasn't necessarily a cubicle person either, right? So I, I like, it was fine in between my classes, it allowed me to do um, a lot of things that I needed to do as a student, but was that the way that I wanted to spend my adult life, like reporting into a building and being in a cubicle? Not necessarily. I also had, because I was a criminal justice major, I had an internship at the um, DC Public Defender's Office, which is actually one of the best in the country, which I didn't know at the time. It was just like, hey, another friend was like, oh, do your internship here. And I was like, okay. Um, and really came into contact with some great attorneys, like mm -hmm. Yale, Harvard attorneys who worked at this, um, at this office. And I learned a lot. Um, in, and, you know, during that in, internship, but when I, so then I took the LSATs and I was like, I enjoy engaging with the kids. I enjoy 
um, going on the class trips and that sort of planning and um, the daily interaction. Like as a classroom teacher, no day is the same. Every, every kid is different, every, you know, that sort of thing. And so the decision to cancel my scores just really had to be like, I'm going to spend $120,000 on law school and miss my kids. Like, yeah, that, that doesn't make any sense. And so it was, it was definitely better than what um, I thought it was going to be. That That's, you know, it just, it just lends to why you have built such an amazing career. Number one, you started out with one thing in mind and then you followed your joy. Mm -hmm. And there's sometimes people don't have the courage to follow what they enjoy. They're following something else. And I'm not saying joy and, and uh, you know, financial, uh, you know, financial riches aren't in the same direction. Mm -hmm. Because some, when you're doing what you love, that is all in the same direction. What happens and when you get stuck out here is when you start doing something you don't want to do. Mm -hmm. And then you're stuck in that thing you don't want to do and you don't know how to get out of it. And that, that is an, a, the opposite of what you've been doing, which is building and blooming on the side of joy and enjoying the journey. Because that's, that's, that is, that's the most important thing. I mean, no, it definitely is like you have to, it's weird. You know, I was talking to somebody the other day and they were like, well, how do you, how did you know? And I don't believe in being miserable. Like I definitely think that I have to want, and I think as an educator, you have to enjoy it. Like you are some child, some students, like this is, should they should only have one time in first mm -hmm. grade in 12th grade and that should not be negatively impacted because you don't like your job right and uh, people seem to understand that in the field of education but I also feel like no matter what you're doing you're not going to be the best at it if it's not bringing you some type of joy it doesn't mean that you don't find yourself in a situation where you're like I have to stay in this position to get to this Right. But knowing that it's short term versus committing yourself to something that you don't that doesn't bring you joy. That's right. No, you know, I, I teach a system called the confident speaking skills system. And mm -hmm. at the very heart of it is being a confident speaker. And you got to be healthy. You got to be seriously building a boss ass career and you got to be doing things that bring you joy. Mm -hmm. three basic principles of being a confident speaker it gives you the voice when you are doing and talking you feel great you're doing things that you love and enjoy it's very difficult not to be a confident speaker in that way so it's just it's just a testament to how you've built your career were there any people who made an impact on you along the way any mentors any any people who just said so I always have a mentor, right? I never not. <laughs> I like, I always, always have a mentor. I think that they're important and your mentors don't necessarily have to be people um, that you speak to or um, meet with regularly. Mm -hmm. um, and so I had my executive director uh, at Teach for America who um, 
was a white woman. And I bring that up because I've often found across my career that as black women, we're um, hesitant or cautious. And I, and I think that we, sh there, there is definitely room for that. So I don't think, but we can't be overly, so overly cautious about choosing a mentor based on race or comfort level in the sense that you can learn something from anybody. Yes. Like I learned from te great teachers and I learned from horrible teachers, right? So from the horrible teachers, it was like what not to do and the reason why. Um, and for the, from those great teachers, it was, um, wow, how do I emulate that? And then what are the steps that they took to achieve this result for their, for their students? So my executive director um, at Teach for America really, we, she challenged my thoughts and my beliefs on a lot of things. And she really, whenever she found an opportunity or she came across an opportunity that she thought would be, um, that I would be successful at, she always brought it to my attention and was just like, Nakia, I think that this is for you, right? And so that, that was great um, to some degrees professionally. Um, I also, I'm just, I'm a lifelong learner. People always say that, but I, like, I just have random information. Like I do well on Jeopardy on TV just because I have this random information and I'm just like happy um, to know it. And so when I was teaching, I was, um, I, I, I left New York City Public School um, Department of Education for a year to teach in West Africa. And that came about really because I didn't do a semester abroad when I was in college. And I was, you know, I felt like I had not, I don't know, you know, when you're young, just different things happen. But I was just kind of like, I've not been pushed outside of my comfort zone. I want to do, I want to go somewhere where there's no hamburgers, like or no McDonald's. Literally, that's what I said. And so I, I applied to this program called Teachers for Africa, another TFA. Um, and I taught in West Africa for a year. And teaching there solidified my desire to stay in education. Like I knew that I had made the right choice. It was the thing for me. Um, and so I went back to Teach for America in my original placement school. I share this because I've been in education for 20 plus years, but the longest position I held in education was when I was a principal. I founded a tra traditional um, public school um, in New York City, and I was at that position for nine years. Other than that, like I didn't, I'm so, you know, taught for three years in New York, taught for one year in Ghana, taught for another year in New York. Then I became a, an assistant principal, left there, founded a charter school, taught there for four years, left there, went to middle school, was there for a year, then started a traditional public school, was there for 10 years, left there, and now I work at the central office. And so what someone said to me um, this year or last year when I, you know, because, you know, I get random job offers is that it's not necessarily the next position that I take, but the position after that. So just really being intentional about what, what I want to do or where I see myself in like the next, I find, I find like a five-year check-in is good. So it's kind of like, where do I see myself five years from now? What do I need to do to get to that five-year goal? And I think that's a great, you know, section for young people to think about who are just starting out. Mm -hmm. You may be in your first or second job, you may have just finished college or graduate school, but think about where do you see yourself in five years? What do you see yourself doing? What is the impact 
that you want to make. And then you start moving yourself in those directions as you, as you whatever industry it's in. Because yeah. it's not the one job you're in today, it's can that job give you the next position? Is it going to build your capabilities so that you are ready for that next exposure? Because you can't just go to that other exposure before you have some skill building that, that has to take place. And that's on every level. There's always new skill building that has to take place before there's another position, whether it's leadership capabilities, whether it's management skills, maybe it's public speaking skills that you've got to get used to, maybe it's delegating, there's always capability. Am I right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, definitely. And that's where the mentor also comes in, right? Okay. So right. you think, because I've, I've come across um, lots of uh of people who it's weird because most of my teachers were older than me when I was a principal, <laughs> but for my younger team, like for the handful that were younger, it's like, I want to, they come in and they're like, I want to be a principal. And I'm like, that's great. I can help you get there. Like, these are the, these are the different experiences that you need to have before you're ready to take that leap into right. leadership. And that's not necessarily because um, I don't, think that you can do it tomorrow but I also have a clear understanding of the skill set that's important for you to have to be successful in that role so it's not just about getting to the role because generally you can get to it the, the the point is to get it and be successful at it and that's where those little nuanced pieces of what types of skill set that you need which also means sometimes you have to volunteer to earn the skill sets that you want to have to move forward to the next position. So it may not be in your job description, but you know that if you want whatever that goal position is that you need to have these types of experiences, you may have to volunteer to get them. You may have to give you know up your time to get that experience. But when you come up and you're like, and they're like, well, you know, why do you want this position? You work over here or, you know, on this team, then you're able to say, yeah, I work on this team, but I actually worked on this project with this team that gives me the skill set that I need for said position. And so, and I never take a no as, um, nobody likes to hear no, right? But I feel like no is, you're no worse off than you were before you asked, right? Like you didn't lose anything by asking or pushing forward. So that's fine. But then ask the question. I always ask for feedback um, mm -hmm. when I'm not successful at something. Yeah. Um, and that's important. And it's weird because I feel like in the job market, a lot of time HR or your person who interviews you doesn't want to give you that. And so you almost have to ask it in the interview, right? <laughs> to to kind of get the feedback. Because like once you walk out, they're kind of like, oh, we don't give that. And I'm just kind of like, well, how do you expect me to get better? Like, how do you, you know, how do I get? So I almost, you know, you all. Out, well, you know, not to cut you off, but when you have a skilled interviewer, yes, you, you can trial close them to see if you've given them the information. And most of the time they'll say, you know, they'll let you know, hey, well, have you had this experience? So then you can know, you know what? I haven't mentioned that. Maybe I need to incorporate that into my stories when I share it. If I have the experience or if I don't have the experience, 
then you need to note, hey, they asked me about X, Y, and Z, and I don't have that experience. Let me try to get it. That might be something you try to volunteer for. But skilled interviewers, when you get yes. to a face-to-face, they don't have a problem giving you feedback on that trial close. Have I given you enough? Have I given you the information that you know can position me for said position of X, Y, and yes. Z? You know, that trial close can actually give you some, you can, that's your way to get some feedback. And that's like a yes. kind of question. So yes. that is a way to kind of do that, you know, and, and just as a, we're always going for things, that's yes. the thing of the interviewing never ends, the skill building never ends, the thought process of where we want to be in five years never ends. And what I loved about Michelle Obama in her book, Becoming, was that she wrote in it, I'm still trying to figure out what yes. I'm going to be when I grow up. And so, you know, like you said, you've still been working for 20 years. How does that land with you in terms of, you know, still build, still trying to figure out what you want to be when you grow up? So um, I am in the process of building my runway to retirement. And so that comes from, um, I work for, I have a city job, I work for New York City, and we have a pension and we can retire. Um, I can retire after 25 years of service and being 55 years old. And so I'm exploring all the things, because I don't see myself stopping, like saying I'm not going to work, but I definitely want to be work optional. That's my goal. And so I'm great with personal finances. I love personal finances. Every time I talk to people, I end up speaking about like their personal finances. Like if I wasn't, um, if I wasn't an educator, uh, that wasn't my title, I would be uh, probably a personal finance advisor. Like I just- Stop you right there because you, you are. Miss <laughs> Black is a personal finance educator. I right, so I'm a personal finance educator, right? I wouldn't are. be, yes, that's right. what I am now. Right, so, you built- Miss Black as a personal finance educator. Yes. And so I want you to tell us a little bit about your your uh, Miss Black. So I, as I say, I talk to people about money all the time, and I was really fortunate when I became a teacher that my buddy teacher, when I first met her, probably like within two or three days, she sat me down and she. Um, was like, you know, I hope you find love and happiness, but you need to be prepared financially because her husband left her for a younger woman and she had taken off eight years from work to raise their her children when they were, well, their children when she was younger. And she had to come back to work to maintain the lifestyle that she had become accustomed to. Fine. And so, but she did say, had I done these little things, I would have, it wouldn't really matter. Like had I taken care of these financial things, it wouldn't have mattered. And so she made me, because we are everyone, the pension, the pension is mandatory. They take that money out of your check. But she made me sign up for what's called the teacher's retirement system, which is a tax deferred annuity, which is separate. Because I wasn't an appointed teacher, I wasn't eligible for that account. So she made me go, I worked on 183rd in Washington Heights. She made me go to 65 Court Street in Brooklyn to sign up for the Board of Education Retirement Fund, which I was eligible for. And she told me, put in the max. 
And I was like, I'm just making like, you know, she's like, this is your first job. You've never made this much money. So if you contribute the max, you will live off the rest of it. And then when you get raises, you will earn, you will get the raise, but you will have set yourself up for your retirement. And so she, I mean, she knew. So I just followed what she told me to do. And I went and I signed up for that because she told me to do that. I don't necessarily blindly file. I started reading and researching. And then I read uh, Susie Orman's book, The Nine Steps to Financial Freedom, um, which said to at least read one financial journal magazine um, a month at the very least, right? So then I was like, okay, I'm gonna read Money Magazine every month. And so after reading that every month, then I just started learning and figuring out and asking people questions. And people tell you, it's like, I learned so much in the teacher's lounge, just talking to the older teachers and what they were doing with their money um, and, and what some of their husbands were in finance. So it was kind of like, oh, my husband recommends this. And all while crocheting with the older teachers in the teacher's lounge. And when I became a principal, so when I did a charter school, I actually had a lot of a uh, hedge fund um, founders, no, they were on my board of directors. And so they sat me down and they were like, this is what you got to do. And they would buy, it was weird because they would buy our whole staff, like these books. And I was probably the only person who would read them. And I met so many finance people just because of the board. So then they were, I think they thought it was funny that I would ask them these questions, but they would just give me the information. And so I gathered all of this information over the years. And so when I became a principal of a traditional school, I would sit my new teachers down and say, have you done X, Y, and Z? And this is what you need to do so that you can retire and be comfortable. Because oftentimes people don't think about the end game. They think about just surviving at this time. And education, K to 12 education is mostly dominated by women. And so as my, you know, my um, buddy teacher said, like, I wish you love and health and happiness and that you find a husband and like you live happily ever after. But women, we need to be in control of our money. We need to understand what's happening to our money and independent of, um, you know, I, you know, as I said, everyone should be, you know, you, if, if marriage is your goal, then get married and be happy. Mm-hmm. But I had three friends in the past year become widower, become widows. Yeah. Right. So it's not even about, you know, oh, so you can't necessarily depend on someone to handle your finances for you. And as teachers, um, we have lots of options. We just need to know what they are and maximize them. And so staying in the black, what came about, because I would give this advice to my teachers, they would tell their friends at other schools, then their friends would end up either coming to my school or calling me and saying like, what about this? Or what about that? So someone was like, you need to share this more widely. So then I started an IG account. So it was just like every Sunday, cause I work, I'm a mom. So it was just like, what can I do? So every Sunday I put up a saving Sunday. And then that grew from doing Saving Sunday to the podcast. And in the podcast, I interview um, people like yourself who help, you know, people figure out what they want, what's their passion and how to follow that. Mm -hmm. I also interview other educators who have side hustles Mm -hmm. to say like, hey, I'm an educator and this is a side hustle that I have. And, you know, it impacts my finances this way. Mm -hmm. Um, And so now I'm going to become a certified financial coach. 
in order to continue that. Now I have, you know, a little under a decade before retiring, people like you started so early. Well, what life has shown me is like, I can try this out. And so the Instagram page has been happening for almost two years. The podcast, I'm halfway, I, I just recorded like my 26 episode, maybe two or three episodes ago. So I'm halfway there. But what I've learned is, okay, I'm trying it. I love it right now. I'm having fun with it. And yeah. if I don't, all right, I stop doing it and I do something else, right? right? But I'm giving myself, that's why I say building my runway because I'm liking this right now. It's feeling good to me, but maybe in five years I'm over it. And I'm like, yeah, I don't want to do this anymore. I need to decide what the next thing is. So when retirement comes, I'm clear on like, this is the path that I'm on. And so yeah. that's how I think about it. And when you build a runway, it's a good thing. I mean, there's so much gold in all that you've just said. I mean, so many people don't start out knowing anything about money or careers and how to invest their money that they make. You know, and when you put more money away early, that money has a long time to grow. And, Compound interest. And that is a, just the beauty of putting the max in when you first start. And it's so counterintuitive to the way, you know, people think about getting their money and spending it and not really thinking, hey, if I put this in right now, it's gonna be, you know, I saw a chart when I was in school once that said, if you put like a thousand dollars in and some number of years later, it was a hundred thousand dollars. I was like, wait a second. This is what I need to be on. This is the path that I need to be rolling in. But, you know, so everybody doesn't get to see that frame. So I just am so happy that you are, Miss Black, are sharing that information and making it in the forefront of women because part of being an independent woman is being in control of your finances. And I think that that's, you know, if you've ever seen the... You know, one thing that impacted me in my career when I first started, because I started out as a pharmaceutical sales representative for a company named Pfizer. Mm -hmm. And nobody had ever heard of Pfizer when I started. It was pre-Viagra. Okay. And, you know, so it, I started seeing all of these women who were not healthy and just poor. And I knew that this combination was not a combination that I wanted for myself. Mm -hmm. I wanted to figure out how I could, and it wasn't by any fault of their own. You know, it wasn't like you started out, you know, and that's what you wanted, but something happened along the way and you became unhealthy and you lost your money. Maybe it was divorce. Mm -hmm. Maybe it was, you know, a death in the family. Anything can happen. It can take you out of your financial path and into a financial path that you don't want to be on. So I, I really had that story in early on in my career saying, I wanna have some level of financial health in my life personally. And I wanna be able to bring that to my family, which I hadn't even conceived at that time in my mind, but I'm just thinking ahead. And I also said, I wanna be healthy, you know, so because it was just looking to me like this was a, a recipe for something that was good for the long term. So I, I feel like 
we're running on the same track right next to each other and building wealth and building a career that you can retire from comfortably has been part of Miss Black's education. Yes, I mean, the work optional part is really about saying, I can choose to work or choose not to work, right? Yeah. And, um, you know, when you talk about wellness, it is, you know, for me, probably the fight for me, I'm a security person. So the financial wealth part gives me the choice, right? Because earlier when we spoke about like, does your job bring you joy? And I know as a parent, I have a, you know, a 17 year old and he, and he's like, I don't want to work that job. It doesn't bring me joy. I'm like, boy, you know, you gotta, you, let me explain something to you. Sometimes you got to do things that you, so there is a part when you're starting out in your career that the job that you may end up with initially may not totally bring you joy, but you have to have the foresight to say, okay, I can take this job and it's going, and if I do, you know, these little things, it will lead me to the job that I believe will bring me joy. And sometimes those jobs that you think will bring you joy, which is the importance of the internship mm -hmm. of saying like, I thought that this was going to make me happy, but when you get there, you're like, yeah, this is not it. The financial, having a strong financial foundation kind of mm -hmm. gives you a little bit of a wiggle room. Definitely. And, and so you don't, you know, so I discovered uh, in November that like my FU account is fully funded. And so that just means that I now have, I'm almost, you know, at that work optional place in the sense that if something happened at my job and I really wasn't pleased, I have enough money that I could survive for a full 12 months, little, I think it's probably more And the pandemic has showed you, you almost need like 18 months to two years, oh, yeah. but I definitely have like a year's worth of salary saved up that I can say, okay, this is no longer making me happy or bringing me joy or it's stressing me out. And I can take a year, you know, I would be looking for, I, I you know, of course looking for a job, but I have a year to find yeah. a job and it not impact my well-being or my lifestyle, right? I would be able to pay my mortgage, take care of my son um, while looking for something that I think will be better, you know, I'd be better suited for. And so that's the part of financial security, but also the mental part of it, right? Because yes. you can be making a lot of money or what you think is a lot of money. That was also another factor in the law school thing, yes. because as many hours as like first year attorneys put in, they mostly make less than minimum wage. Right. So yeah. people look at those salaries and they're like, yeah, yeah. they're making, you know, they're 160. They're working like 90 hours a week. Well, yeah. honey, that's minimum wage. That's actually less than minimum wage when you factor it all in. So don't right. necessarily, when you're looking at these careers, look at the, um, the salary, because the salaries are tricky mm -hmm. when you compensate for the hours that you have to put in and it really for that salary. Matter if that's where your joy is. If it's where your joy is, more go for it. Wrong. But doesn't some people matter. you could be just, working day and night, you know, because I know you were working day and night putting this school together. Yes. Starting this school. So it doesn't matter when it's your joy. You will work day and night. You yes. won't worry about what happens. You will be following that spark. Yeah. And you will do what you have to do. And that is, that's, the, that's the beauty of 
you know, building a career. Now, let us know where we can find Miss Black on these Instagram streets. So my right IG and my Twitter, which I really, I never tweet, um, okay. at staying in the BLK. And um, so is the website, stayinginthebk.com. And I'm staying in the black on all, um, the podcast is on all podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify, Google, uh, whatever. It's, it's on, on, on all the platforms. So you can find, find me there. So I want to thank you for doing this podcast, Miss Black. And if you have any final words, for our young people who are listening today to share with them as they build their career. I want you to lay it on them thick. There's two things. Don't be afraid to try, right? Whatever it is, just, just try. You know how like when you were eating dinner, your parents are like, just try it. So just try it. Um, and two, re be reflective. And this is something that I've learned as I got, I've gotten older and just sit in it and say like, how does this make me feel? Does it spark joy? Does it, you know, blow out the candle, right? Like you just don't like it. And like, what have I learned in this situation? And that will help you guide you to your next step. Um, because oftentimes, you know, we get emotional, we get frustrated, you know, we get really excited, but then if you sit down and you reflect on it, you're able to say, what about the experience is leading you to the next step instead of just reacting to it? Mm -hmm. um, so those are, those are the two things that I advise to try it and be reflective. Thank you so much, Ms. Black. Thank you. Uh, I just really appreciate you taking the time to share with our list with our listeners the, uh, some gems about what they should think about as they are building their career. I hope each of you enjoyed this webinar and learned a few gems you can use on your professional journey. For more inspiration and information to build the career of your dreams, follow me on Instagram at the real Janice Saunders. Until then, be busy being who you want to be and living a lifestyle that suits you just fine.